back on dan can you hear me now hello dan okay uh, if you're listening out there i think we got the stream back and uh we are broadcasting so you i think uh yeah J- james Grimm, our, our our guy who does our website says dead air again we're back uh steve i can't hear dan uh, our guest yeah uh, go ahead and check Wait, Check there you there, there you are, Dan. Dan, can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> could I you, can. Good could you hear me you. the whole time? I could, yes. Well, we we I don't know what it is about rain and electronics, but uh it has been pouring here and for some reason it messed us up. But I appreciate you being on today, Dr. Dan DeWitt, up at uh, Cedarville University, formerly of Southern the Southern Baptist Seminary. Uh, you were the dean of Boyce College, right? Yes, sir. I was for about five years, and I was at Southern a total of eleven years. So, have not been at Cedarville for six years. Well, it's interesting because uh, uh, we got connected through a mutual friend, Jeff Dalrymple. We had Jeff on um, not too long ago, and he said you ought to reach out to this guy named Dan Dewitt. He is uh, just a great apologist. And uh, you actually started uh, the Center for Biblical Apologetics there. But I went to Cedarville, and I looked at faculty, Dan, and it it, uh, it took me to engineers. And I'm like, am I at the right place? There's all these electrical engineers and, like, mechanical engineers. And I'm going, is this a Christian college or is this, a like, engineering school? Can you explain that a little bit to me? <laughs> Yeah, you must have ended up on our um, the School of Engineering page. Yeah, we're a liberal Christian liberal arts university, and we have majors for pharmacy, engineering, nursing, education. The list goes on and on. Um, but all of our students, which we have about forty five hundred students now, all of them have take a Bible minor, which means that they take fifteen hours in biblical and theological studies, um, and it's that's on top of all their other program requirements. And then every one of them, um, they're in chapel every single day at 10 a.m. And so even though the vast majority of our students are not preparing for ministry, um, they're all getting a ton of Bible theology and a daily chapel service, which is really just a powerful time with thousands of college students gathered in our chapel every single day. And so, and so they basically minor in Bible, correct? Is that what I'm understanding? That's right, Yep. Yep, it, it's technically um, a, it's technically another minor, and so we'll have some students double minor in addition to their major. But every one of our graduates graduates with a Bible minor. Hmm. Well, how did a guy who grew up in the middle of a cornfield become an apologist? Because when I think apologist, I think uh, you know brainy people, <laughs> brainy people, not people that are great with their hands out in the field. And you grew up in the sure. middle of a cornfield. How did you uh, navigate to, well, first of all, how did you come to faith in uh, Springfield, Illinois? Well, I, I heard, I grew up in a Christian home, and so it was around the church a lot. Um, but for me, it, it took um, a youth camp when I was 15. And the very first night of youth camp, the preacher shared the gospel. I'd heard it, you know, a, a, a thousand times. Um, but it just made sense for the first time. And so I became a Christian at 15, and then I went off to Bible college, um, largely because I, I really wanted to go into graphic design and art, but felt a calling to serve. I didn't know what that meant, so I told my pastor, and he said, go to Bible college, and there was one Bible college that my church was kind of connected with. And so I went there my freshman year. My parents were divorced, um, so it was kind of a traumatic time, um, and then also at the same time, a lot of kids I went to the youth group with back in my home church have left the faith or were in the process of leaving the faith. So I had a personal kind of crisis, and then I have friends who are walking away from the faith, 
And I began asking some pretty heavy questions, you know, about why do I believe what I believe? Um, and so uh, to fast forward a few semesters, I ended up transferring away from that particular Bible college. It just wasn't a great fit. And the transfer to another little Bible college, and the first class I took there was on apologetics. And it was mainly not so I could answer other people's questions. It was so I could deal with my own questions. Mm, that, that Well, I was going to ask you, 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 one of the places it talks about you, it gives a little info on you, it says that your your favorite author was C.S. Lewis, as well as you read a lot of G.K. Chesterton. Those are two mm. pretty brainy people. <laughs> when did, what what attracted you to reading those guys? You know, I, I've heard it said of C.S. Lewis that he made it um, intellectually um, possible for some people to be a Christian because Lewis dealt with these really deep questions and showed how the the Christian way of seeing the world actually answers these perennial um, questions that humans ask. Why are we here? Why does anything exist at all? How do we know things? You know, these are things that go all the way back to Greek philosophy. People have been asking these big questions for a long time. And I think for C.S. Lewis, he shows how Christianity actually can stand up to the intellectual rigor of trying to answer those questions. And so for me, as I began studying apologetics, I, at one point, a few years later, signed up for a community um, book club at a, just a secular bookstore, and it was a book group that we were going to be reading through C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. Mm-hmm. And so I read The Screwtape Letters again. I'd read it years before, and in anticipation of this book group, and I showed up at the book group, and I was the only person to show up. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there by myself for a couple hours and just started reading other things from C.S. Lewis and really just fell in love with not only his intellectual arguments, but the way that he would use creativity and imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and then Lewis introduced me to all these other authors like G.K. Chesterton and Dorothy Sayers and Austin Farrar and others. Um, so Lewis was kind of, for me, the gatekeeper to a whole world of Christian apologist well my wife and i love c.s lewis too um i mean we we grew up teaching where our kids grew up hearing about aslan and you know all of those those that story series but um but we went to see a movie recently um max mclean plays c.s lewis in the most reluctant convert have you seen that movie I did, yes. What did you think about that being a big Lewis guy? I mean, somebody who really liked him. Yeah, I've never. I've seen Max McLean because he's done a, a one-man theatrical presentation of the Screw Tape Letters. So I saw that years ago and just thought, man, this is it was unbelievable how gifted mm-hmm. he is. And so, but I never got to see his An Evening with C.S. Lewis, which is basically what the movie is. It's a theatrical depiction of the play that he's traveled to do. And I thought it was great. In, in a lot of ways, it's um, a retelling. If somebody wanted to get what the movie covers, if you read C.S. Lewis's autobiography, Surprised by Joy, um, most of the material in that, in that movie really comes out of Surprised by Joy. Yeah, that was a that was a good book too. He he was just such a, a gift to the church. I think uh, you know his writings that we have today. Well, you um, you were at Southern for a while, and what moved you to where you are now? Um, I mean, was it was it just this you know restless? Okay, God's moving me, and you sense God moving you, or was? I mean, what what moved you to where you are at this uh, Cedarville University um, to do what you're doing now? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think part of it was I, I became I became jealous, I think in a good way, of the the faculty members who worked for our Bible department or our college, boys' college. I, I was envious of them because they got to focus all their time and energy on teaching students and writing. And I thought, you know, at some point, it would be nice to step away from the administration that comes with being a dean. Mm-hmm. And so um, the way Southern Seminaries functions, you have Dr. Albert Muller as president, and then you have some different schools under Southern Seminary. So um, you have a few different graduate schools that are part of Southern, and then one undergraduate college, Boyce College. 
And so being dean of boys, I function more like a president of a small college in terms of I was involved in recruiting, I was involved in student life, and where I'm at now, a dean is someone who largely oversees faculty and curriculum. There I was, you know, getting the phone call at midnight because a college student had ripped a toilet out of the <laughs> bathroom and put it in the middle of the campus. Yeah. You know? So, um, And then traveling, you know, probably two to three weekends a month and then traveling three to four weeks a summer to speak at youth camps. And um, after five years of doing that, the Lord really blessed the college and it grew. But I hit a point where I thought, you know, I would really like to just teach and write. And I didn't want to stay where I was because that would mean that the person who would replace me as dean would have to live with me on faculty. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like that would be fair. And um, and also my wife is from near Cedarville. So the Lord lined up a number of things that it just became really clear. One, God's moving us. And then two, God's leading us to Cedarville. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you, as you were a student going through Bible college and even getting your master's, did you read a lot of apologist or apologetic writing out there, um, people who wrote apologetically? Yeah, the the first book that I read um, on apologetics was after I became a Christian in high school, and my mom bought me a book um, by Josh McDowell called Don't Check Your Brains at the Door, mm-hmm. and it appealed to me. Um, I, I really in high school didn't—my I was my grades were pretty awful until I became a Christian— and when I became a Christian um, the summer before my junior year in high school, it really it just awakened in me this longing to read and to think. And so that, McDowell's book was the first I read, but it was far from the last. And so um, I started reading as much C.S. Lewis as I could. So I tried to read most of what he had written and then read the authors that, that he had written. So I've, I've read more dead authors than I have living ones. And so I tend to spend my time with um, authors where you know exactly where they ended in life, and there's some real benefits to that as opposed to reading a living author who might change his mind tomorrow, right? Well, that's true uh, in, in this day and age. or do You, you also kind of keep up with culture as well, right, you, how, how our faith interacts with culture. Uh, is that part of what you yeah. do there? Yeah, I, I, what I try to do, so in leading the uh, Center for Apologetics at Cedarville, um, as I already mentioned, you know, the vast majority, 98% of the students at our school um, are going to be engineers or nurses or, you know, something other than working for a church. And so what I want to do is help them think through the questions that they, if they're not asking them now, questions they're going to face later. Mm-hmm. And so we do, our center does three things. Um, we do, once a week, I do a coffee shop meeting where I just sit in our coffee house and whoever wants to show up, we hang out and get to know each other and talk about what's going on in the headlines that week. And so that's one of the easiest ways to just say, here are the big, here's what's making news in the world right now. How do we think about it from a Christian perspective? Then the other two things we do is every month we do a seminar where I bring in someone either through Zoom or um, we fly someone in you know, physically that they come and give a talk. And then once a year I do a, an all-day conference. And so I think it's important for our students to be thinking about how their Bible, what they believe about the Bible, connects to the real world. So I think that's an important thing to look at, the intersection of faith and culture. Um, yeah, it, it, well, it, did you were you influenced at all by Moeller in that with the briefing kind of thing, like where he does that? Because I, I, that's been very influential to us here, um, the way he kind of, reads broadly of things going on and tries to look at it at a Christian worldview. You have a podcast, uh, I believe, right, that kind of delves into that somewhat? I know. I, so first of all, with Dr. Mueller, he is just a rare um, intellect who God has blessed in so many ways. And I have been influenced by him in a number of ways and have spent, I am mean, so thankful to have spent a lot of time um, with him in person in his library. I used to live across the street. Um, we both lived, he lives on one side of campus and I lived on the other. And so I would just say, one, I, I've really been influenced and appreciate him and certainly couldn't replicate what he's doing. Um, I just, God hasn't blessed me with the mental uh, equipment like he has <laughs> Dr. Moeller. Um, in terms of a podcast, I don't have a podcast, but I do regularly 
Um, every other week I'm on a radio program where we talk about what I'm writing at my website, which is called Theo, like theology, and then Latte, like coffee, and put it together. It's theolatte.com. That's right. That's right. That's what it is. So is that is that then just a blog that you put out there? Uh, it is, and sometimes it will include audio or video. So um, recently I interviewed, did an interview with um, KB, who's a Christian artist, and interviewed him. So it'll have elements like a podcast in terms of if you wanted to download something and listen to it, but I don't do a, a regular um, weekly podcast. Theo Latte, that's T-H-E-O-L-A-T-T-E, and you do your own words in art too. <laughs> about that? I, I like do, that. yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've always loved art, and um, for a long time I was embarrassed about it. And um, and then I kind of hit a point where I'm like, you know, God gives us gifts for a reason, and he doesn't want us to bury them in the ground, um, but to use them. So I have a number of sketches on my website there. Yeah, yeah and uh, I, I didn't ask you this earlier, but you are married and have four children, and twins are in that group too, right? That That's right. My wife and I, April and I, have been married for over 20 years. It was 20 years last summer, and we have twin boys who are 15, and then a third son who's 11, and then a, a precious little daughter who is eight years old. All right. So has it been, uh, what's it been like having twins? Are they identical? They're not identical and, well, that, in any way. That okay. makes it a little easier, <laughs> huh? <laughs> and and they came first. And so my, my wife is, is clearly more spiritual than I am because she started praying for twin boys when she was about 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And she babysat twin boys and has always prayed for twin boys and has always told everyone she was praying for twin boys. And we got pregnant, and lo and behold, God gave us twin boys. So, is that um, is that what spawned your children's books or some of the books? I mean, some of the books that you've written, you've written quite a few books, seem to be written to help children with faith. Is that Did that come from your own children or just having a... Yes. And so it, it started with, um, I started a series of books that I plan to write five of total. I've done two so far, and it's called The Owlings. And I self-published those, and I'm thankful that they're uh, uh, they're being translated into Portuguese. Now a publishing house in Brazil has um, just picked up The Owlings. Mm-hmm. But that led to um, them with, you know, kind of traditional publishing. I was published a couple of apologetic books with Crossway. And then I had an opportunity to write for the Good Book Company, which is based out of London, England. And in writing a book about Peter and how he failed miserably and how Jesus restored him in this you know, beautiful, beautiful picture of grace in John 21, in writing that, um, my editor, whose name is Allison Mitchell, she said, you, you really should take this story about Peter and also write a children's book. So it wasn't by design. It was kind of an afterthought. And so I wrote the book called The Friend Who Forgives. And, man, it's been really remarkable to see how the Lord used that book that we didn't even plan. I didn't even plan to write originally. And it's now in 11 different languages, I think, at last count. And so the Lord's opened up some doors through that to write for kids. And to be honest, if I had to pick one or the other, um, I would probably go with writing for kids for the rest of my life if I had to choose. Really? And why is that, Dan? You know, I love the one, I think that there's a, a real need and and the good book company and then B&H, um, B&H Kids, who's uh, Robin and Holman, that's Lifeways publishing arm. They're great examples of publishers that are trying to provide biblical resources for kids. You know, often what you get um, when it comes to kids' material is either something that doesn't have great content, you know, it deviates widely from the biblical story, or it doesn't deal with, you know, real questions kids ask. And then also often, on the other hand, you have publishers that try and do the content right, but they don't have the resources to do the illustrations right towards beautiful. And those two publishers just do a remarkable job. But what I love about running for kids is is trying to take a complex idea Mm-hmm. And to translate it into, you know, a simple message for kids, I think it's just a a glorious challenge. I love trying to do that. Um, to go back to C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said that 
it should be required for every minister before they could be ordained that they have to translate something into common language. And so I just love that process. Well, uh, you can get The Friend Who Forgives by going to Amazon.com. It's there, and it comes in a, a hardcover and a board book. Now, yeah. What are what are what would you recommend? Is there? It says ages four to eight on there. Is that? I mean, is it is it mostly pictures and a little bit of writing, or is it really got some some writing in that? Yeah, the board book is for, um, and they just came out with that recently. But it's for like really small kids who are probably going to chew on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's what my kids did with board books. Um, but it has, you know, a little bit of copy and then some of the images from the main book. The main book, um, the, it, it's for still for young kids, but for older age than the board books, has the full story in it. So I, I would say if someone's going to get um, the board book for their kids, so go ahead and get both of them because I think you'd really enjoy the full story um, in the uh, the regular book. And and the other one, Why God, Big Answers About God and Why We Believe, is that did that come out of your um, apologetic book as well? Because that one's for kids this too, too, right? It is, yeah. So I was driving with my daughter one day, and I think she might have been five at the at five, four or five. But she, from the back seat, says to me as I'm driving, "Daddy, why did God create Satan?" And mm. um, as I'm driving, you know, down the country road, we live out here in the in the cornfields here in Ohio, too, um, I, I was really struck by the fact that that was a question that was on her mind. And uh, so I thought these why questions that kids ask are really important, and I, I want to encourage my kids to cultivate an inquisitive mind. Um, so that particular book really was born the moment my daughter asked that question. Mm. Well, uh, so that yeah. book, that book's called Why God, Big Answers About God and Why We Believe. That book's also available on Amazon and The Friend Who Forgives. You can get both those. And just as a quick reminder, um, Dan, we got about two minutes. Uh, there's parents out there who have high schoolers that uh, are looking at colleges. Two-minute elevator, why, why come to Cedarville? Well, the, there are some great Christian schools. I, we're, we're certainly not the only one. Um, but one of the real beautiful things about Cedarville, we like to tell people God's doing something amazing in the middle of the cornfields here. And that's every single student is going to go to chapel Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. They're going to have really vibrant worship, and then someone's going to open the Bible and talk to them about um, how they can learn more about God and be encouraged in their walk with God. Every student who comes to Cedarville professes to be a Christian. Um, and then on top of all that, every student who graduates from Cedarville will graduate with a minor in biblical and theological studies. So I just think it's a great place that's seeking to honor the Lord and to equip a generation to go into various professions, but to do so with a biblical worldview and a heart to change the world for their faith. Well, that that is uh, that's a great that's a great uh, ad there for Cedarville University in Ohio. And um, it, listen, if you want to know more information uh, about Cedarville, um, they have a great website as well that you can go to. And um, it's uh, hold on just a second because I lost it. I I got enthralled oh, with you. I could give it. Okay, go ahead. It's cedarville.edu, and that's cedar c e d a r. Cedarville, cedarville.edu cedarville.edu and uh, you can get more information about that i was enthralled with your theo latte website free refills uh, i like your website yeah. he, his website again if you want to go read some of the articles it's theo for theology t-h-e-o latte l-a-t-t-e dot com and uh, when you go to free refills it's I, I guess those are your past ones that uh, you can go and read uh, some of uh, his writings and Dan has been featured in USA Today and a lot of other places writing. He is um, at Cedarville University and uh, uh, helped start the apologetics department there. And and do you do you um, teach 
regularly there too uh other than or or do you just kind of oversee well we got to go to break save that question for when we come back i want to when we okay. come back i want to know a day in the life of dan dewitt at cedarville uh, as an apologist guy who loves c.s lewis who writes theo latte okay yes sir all right we'll do that and i got one other question you can think about deconstruction the new term for apostasy in our culture I want to just get your take on that if we if we can when we come back. We're going to be right back after the news on the half hour. You're listening to SWAT Radio with Dr. Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of SWAT Radio. SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary. Hopefully we got all the bugs worked out. It's Thursday here in Jacksonville, Florida. If you're listening on the Lighthouse up in Virginia Beach or in uh, uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, or in Meridian on WMER, up in Folkestone, Georgia, or down in St. Augustine on The Truth, we're excited to have you with us today. We have Dan DeWitt, Dr. Dan DeWitt, the director of the Center for Biblical Apologetics and public Christianity, and he's also associate professor of applied theology and apologetics up at Cedarville University. He um, got his Ph.D. at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, where Dr. Moeller uh, is president. And uh, we had uh, Jeff Dalrymple on last week or a couple of weeks ago, and Jeff connected us. And I'm so glad that uh, we have him on. And I wanted to let you know about a resource. Now, one of the things we get asked a lot is, well, what about in this situation or how do we respond to these people? Uh, They have a great resource at Cedarville. If you go to cedarville.edu and just put in backslash apologetics, it'll bring up um, their apologetics department. And you can click on several things. One of them is seminars. And if you click on seminars, they actually have videos on there, uh, and they talk about uh, a lot of different things. But they have other things on that particular link that you can get some support. And they've got a link to his blog, Dr. Dewitt's blog, called the Theo Latte blog. You can go directly to it if you want just by you know typing in www.theoforthealogylatte.com. But it's also a link there. And again, he's written several books. You can just go into Amazon and write um, Dr. Dan DeWitt or Dan DeWitt, D-E-W-I-T-T, and it should bring his books up. Um, the uh, The two children's books that I'm going to buy right away is The Friend Who Forgives and Why God. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to get those. Um, uh, and and read them to my daughters, and uh, but he also wrote Christ or Chaos, which is basically it is an apologetic type book, and he's written two books that um, and maybe you can once again explain the Owlings are those those are those C S Lewis like books <laughs> where you're telling Christian truths through stories is that right. Yeah, well, not nearly as good as C.S. Lewis, but yeah, I, I use, um, but, but C.S. Lewis is in the story kind of indirectly. Um, I have I have a few talking owls who work, um, who get to know a child whose name is Josiah, who has really big questions about the world. And these talking owls, their names are Clive, Gilbert, Dorothy, and Rule. And um, Clive is, of course, C.S. Lewis's first name. Gilbert is G.K. Chesterton. 
Dorothy is Dorothy Sayers, and then Rule is one of J.R.R. Tolkien's middle names. He had two middle names. And so those talking owls kind of helped Josiah navigate big questions about life and meaning and purpose. Wow, that's great. And 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 so, again, those books are called The Owlings. That's uh, volume one or, or the first edition and then uh, the second one. Uh, the first one is, um, well, they're both on Amazon.com. You can go there and order those. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you also wrote a book um, called Jesus or Nothing. And mm-hmm. in that book, you talk about how young adults uh, abandon the Christian faith, convinced it's kind of outdated, and you, and you go through and you counter some of the things in there. You know, I asked you before we went to break about deconstruction. That's a term that's being applied to a lot of people who leave the faith now, uh, asking questions. But but some of them ask questions and, and don't come back. Some of them are seeking. Some of them are seeking to leave. Uh, can, can you comment on that from what you're seeing uh, and, and how you dealt with that maybe in that book and how you deal with it now as our world becomes more and more secular uh, and less influenced by biblical values? Yeah, that's a great question. And Jesus or Nothing and then the book Christ or Chaos is a follow-up to Jesus or Nothing. And it's dealing with the story of a young man whose name is Zach, who um, grew up in a very conservative Christian home, went to a Christian um, school, you know, from kindergarten through um, graduation, and then got to college and started asking questions and felt liberated for the first time to consider alternative answers. And I think that there are a lot of people who do that. And um, there's certainly nothing wrong with being very intentional with the way that we raise our kids in terms of family discipleship or if a family chooses to homeschool. Um, but there are no guarantees, um, or send a child to a Christian school. There are no guarantees that that means they're going to become authentic followers of Jesus. And so deconstruction is a process for a lot of people of them coming to realize that they're, they actually don't believe. And that could be a really helpful thing. Um, the worst thing for someone could be to, to actually be a nominal Christian, um, which is foreign to the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. So the worst thing for someone could be could, to be wrong about their state with God. And so in that sense, there's there are positive elements to deconstruction. For someone to come to the place where they say, I actually don't believe, um, that's a good step in the right direction. Some of the negatives with deconstruction, I would say, are, are these. There are people who truly are believers, and they begin asking questions, but they ask them not in good faith, but they ask it with a lot of skepticism towards God and the Bible and Jesus. And I would say that, you know, if you're struggling with questions, lean into it as someone who trusts God. That doesn't mean you ignore the questions. Just lean into those questions with trust, rather than looking at the Bible now through the eyes of a skeptic. And I, I like to tell my students, I, I'm, I'm really okay um, if they deconstruct cultural Christianity, and they remove from their faith a lot of the cultural baggage that we heap on top of their relationship with God. And by that, I mean things that aren't clearly in the Bible. And if they're deconstructing cultural baggage, great. Um, Go to Scripture. Ask the question, what what do the Scriptures teach? What does faithfulness require? Um, Ask those hard questions. And on the other side of those questions, if you're leaning to it in trust, will be a stronger, more rooted and grounded faith. That would be a positive side of, of deconstruction. Yeah, you know, I, I just as you were thinking, you know, as you were speaking, oh, I, something triggered in my mind. It's a question that I get told a lot about uh, when we're talking about this issue. Uh, people who grow up, like you mentioned, the guy you wrote about in the book, in, in a, a conservative Christian home and all this, and they taught him, they discipled him or her, and then he or she departs, and they go, it's okay, they're going to come back, because the Bible says if you train up a child in the way he should go, he will not depart from it. Could I want you to address that, if you don't mind, for a second, because I know that you deal with that uh, as you yeah. deal with apologetics. How How do you respond to that? Yeah, and this is really even a good kind of, principle to illustrate what we're talking about, 
um, because some people will have misunderstandings of the the way the Bible will talk about different topics, and that will lead to expectations that may or may not be realized. Um, and on the other side of those expectations, there may be disappointment. And then they'll say, well, the Bible's not true because it says this, but I didn't experience it. Um, in reading the Proverbs, the Proverbs as wisdom literature are outlying general truths. And so as a general rule, that this is the way we might talk about it today. As a general rule, if you raise your child in the fear and admonition of the Lord, um, they'll not, you know, they'll return to it. Um, that's a general principle but knowing kind of the literary style that's in wisdom literature and Proverbs lets you know that this isn't absolute certainty. This is not a promise that no one will ever walk away from their faith if they have godly parents. I'm sure you experience this. I meet with parents all the time who are heartbroken, mm-hmm. who love the Lord, um, have raised their kids as best as they can, and their kids have walked away. And so I would say what we need to do is this is a general principle. This is what we should all aspire to. But at the end of the day, we have to trust God, and we recognize that they are moral agents who can make their own decisions. And like with Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. you know, who are we going to blame? Who are we going to blame Adam and Eve on? You know, <laughs> God's their father, yeah. right? And they still chose to rebel. And so the the reality is for all of us. I have four kids. The more kids you have, the higher the percentage that one of them isn't going to spend their life living for the Lord. I hope that's not the case. There's no greater joy than for our children to walk in truth. Yes, that's right. Well, that kind of leads us into one more book you got that I want to mention. We only got two minutes left, Life in the Wild, Fighting for Faith in a dark, in a, in a Fallen World, where you talk about walking through Genesis 3 and how sometimes we, we expect when we go into the Christian life that everything's going to be great just because we're following Jesus. But it really, that doesn't change the brokenness of the world. And in that book, you talk about um, how to how to walk through a broken world, but looking toward the promises of God as the light that kind of keeps you going through it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to speak at a secular university on the topic of why does a good God allow suffering, which is a real heavy personal question. And I decided to deal with it by just asking the question, if the Bible's true, and which I believe it is, but I asked the question, if the Bible's true, what do we expect the world to look like? Mm-hmm. And if you read Genesis 3, um, I think the world looks a whole lot like Genesis 3 would inform us the world will look like mm-hmm. um, after Adam and Eve are exiled. So I outlined seven effects of the fall of the curse of sin. Um, and just to say that the way we live, the way we see the world is what the Bible would lead us to expect. But if the Bible's true, again, as I believe it is, there's hope because God's going to make all things new and offers us a relationship with him through the gospel. Again, that book is called Life in the Wild. Listen, uh, Dr. DeWitt has to go because uh, he has an appointment, and I really appreciate you being on. I'm going to give the listeners one more time your blog, the, the Theo Latte, T-H-E-O-L-A-T-T-E dot com. You can go there and read his blog. You can go to cedarville.edu backslash apologetics for, um, and that's C-E-D-A-R-V-I-L-L-E dot E-D-U uh, backslash apologetics for resources or go to amazon.com. Type in D-A-N-D-E-W-I-T-T and get his books. They look great. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I pray you have a great weekend and keep writing. Keep speaking and keep teaching people how to to uh, be Christ out in the world. All right. Thanks so much, Doug. Take care. All right. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. We're going to be right back after this break with our last segment. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be right back to just kind of finish up our day on SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. 
We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday, March 10th. We just got through talking to Dr. Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. And uh, we're going to transition now from um, apologetics and talk to Don Locke, uh, Jr., who is the president and CEO of Word of Life Fellowship. Um, he, uh, he got his master's from DTS, uh, a Dallas grad there. And uh, and now he's serving up there. And Don, thank you so much for calling in today. We appreciate you giving us a little time. Hey, of course, great to hear your voice. Yeah, um, I mean you 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 knew some good people. Um, we, my wife and I lived out at in Dallas. We went to Stonebriar for a while when we were out there, and and knew Doctor Hendricks and uh, John Hanna and some of those people you got to know when you were at Dallas. And now you're are you up in New York actually? Well, I'm actually in Florida right now, and uh, so Word of Life Florida in near Tampa. Okay. And so not living but here just temporarily. I, I'm actually still based up in Screen Lake, New York, and love my Dallas Seminary days. Actually, just finished another uh, academic program at Capitol Seminary, so kind of fun to get that behind me too. <laughs> you, uh, you, when it, you go to the Word of Life. Uh, website it says i mean everybody quotes dr hendricks right we everybody does uh he was just such a great guy but uh you said you remember well lie low and exalt christ and uh uh, you know and uh here you are at word of life which is a great ministry and the reason you're on today is i was uh, sent a a a newscast where some of your missionaries over there are actually helping people in the, the you know the Ukrainian refugee crisis is is it's really a tough thing and you got missionaries over there word of life missionaries that are trying to help and I I just want to uh, ask you um, how can believers here Virginia Mississippi wherever uh, wherever they're listening we got people that listen over in England how can people help you with what you guys are doing to help the Ukrainian Christians over there right now? Well, it's interesting. I just got done talking to our director in Poland about 15 minutes ago, and he was saying to me, he said, Don, um, he said, we're tired of the staff, uh, same for our team in Romania, Hungary, Czech Republic, but he said, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. This is an amazing gospel opportunity. So we're meeting the physical needs of these people coming to our our different properties there in Europe, but also sharing about the hope that comes only through Jesus Christ. And so we've been telling people, it's very simple. They can just simply go to our website for Word of Life. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the front page, which is just simply wol.org, mm-hmm. and you'll see at the top of the screen there, right at the very top, you're going to see two links. One is for regular updates about what's happening in the Ukraine and in Europe with our Europe teams there. And the other represents two giving links. And so we have two funds. We have one specifically focused on helping our Ukraine team, mm-hmm. which, of course, uh, is mostly displaced. We moved most of them to over to Hungary, to our property near Budapest. And then we also have um, eight, actually eight of our Ukraine men still in Kiev. And I'm glad to tell you more about what they're doing. But that's one project. The other would be our Europe uh, fund 
uh, relief funds, helping those who have been displaced. Uh, obviously, our teams have stepped up. We're housing, we're feeding, uh, providing clothing, shoes in many cases, and then, of course, sharing the gospel in the process. So those are just going to our Word of Life website, wool.org, W-O-L.org is the best place to start. Okay, so if you go to that website, like I just went there, and, and there's the Ukraine update, Ukraine giving, just click on the Ukraine giving, that's WOL.org, Word of Life Ukraine Emergency Fund and Ukrainian Care Fund. You can support those missionaries in the emergency fund over there. Any amount will help. They just need funds because the it, the needs are overwhelming. 2.3 million right now 2.3 million and climbing and you know um uh, i want to read something uh, that was read from uh actually one of your missionaries texted this to the people at one of the news stations and this is what it said this is a ukrainian christian uh we're not safe no one we love is safe there are still people back home you just told us you've got missionaries in ukraine right now We're not detached from what is happening. Right now, we're struggling mentally to reconcile all of the things we're feeling and thinking. Our desire for safety, the lack of control, our desire to trust God, our desire to serve others, our desire for it all to end. But we almost can't help but think about eternity when we start to fear. I mean, that is is an an amazing thing. And, you know, it, it moves me to think about that believer over there. And and we sit over here in the barracks, so to speak. We're, we're back on the home front, and we have an opportunity now to help them. And I don't know, share what you can about your missionaries or how can we pray for the ones in Ukraine, um, you know, without, discuss, you know, discussing anything that you feel might not be appropriate to go out over the airwaves. Yeah, there's only so much I can share, but, you know, it's been amazing for, for me on my phone. I'm getting these videos. For example, I got a video the other day that just it just was so convicting. Mm. And I, I don't want to get emotional necessarily, but at the same time, I think we do need to cry as believers and understand what other people are going through. And so the video I got was a short video from a church um, where the people are hunkered down in mattresses with blankets, and they weren't moaning and groaning. They weren't, um, you know, were obviously praying. But the thing that struck me is they were just singing praise to the Lord. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know, we, we go through such difficult times, right? All of our lives, we all have burdens. But frankly, nothing like this. And just to see the these believers pulling together, and uh, we're getting all sorts of stories. Of course, our team is right in the middle of it there in, in Kiev. But uh, rescuing people from hospitals, and our team's been um, moving, I believe, about 140 people away from danger zones just over recent days. Um, brand new babies. Um, in fact, I just heard a story the other day, or actually just a few moments ago, from our director in Poland, and he was saying that there was a family that arrived at our property there, had traveled for quite a distance to get there in a, in a long period. The husband had to go back to the Ukraine. I believe he was going back to fight. And he left his wife, but he said, before I leave, can we please dedicate our one-month-old one baby to God? Wow. So we had a dedication on our property. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just amazing to see what's happening. Obviously, there's a lot of need. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uh, hopelessness. Very interesting. I picked up a story from my Ukraine director, um, and he just he, he relayed to us, he said, uh, there was a person that he knows, I won't mention the name or anything, but uh, uh, deacon in the church, he was interacting with a young man, and basically the young man said, you don't have to tell me who you are. I know that you belong to Jesus. Wow. You don't even have to tell me about him. I know him already, to your example. Huh. And just uh, it's just been incredible to get these stories of, of believers who are standing firm, and frankly, not just sitting still, but they're out there sharing their faith, and, and showing the difference that Jesus Christ can make in a life. And I, I just, I'm so humbled and so encouraged to, to hear these updates and reports. Mm, that's great. Well, you know, Don, I, uh, I didn't realize that I was just looking cause this, this all came about this, this all came about in the last hour that you would even be on here to share with us. 
And I did, you know, we just had uh, Dr. Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University on here, and it says you're on the board. <laughs> you're on the board. You're a member of the board of Cedarville University. I just saw that, and we didn't. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I'm a graduate. I know Dan, and of course, Dr. Thomas White, the president. We're all good friends, and they're uh, they're such a blessing and support to us at Word of Life. We have a great relationship, so it's been very encouraging. Well, that's just bizarre because he he I just called him and asked him if he'd be on and and uh, we had a 15 minute segment and I was actually trying to get Guillermo to be on um, because we had a mutual friend and and um, and we ended up getting you and I'm so glad because this is something that's really important one of the questions I wanted to ask you is we we've had some requests from other ministries is do you have a need for people like I was with East West Ministries for a bunch of years and I used to lead teams of people on humanitarian aid trips and mission trips in Russia and other parts of Eastern Europe. Would you have any uh, is there anything where people human resource wide can go over there or is it just financial at this point? Yeah, I just brought that up. I asked our teams that and they're telling me right now, unless somebody speaks Ukrainian for translation purposes, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're basically out of housing at our facilities. And so we're, we do have groups. I just heard uh, groups coming over from the States right now, and we're having to say, look, you're staying in hotels, and you're going to have to come in, and you can cook, you can clean dishes, you can you know, minister to these people in that way. But so we, we personally can't accommodate any more at this point, just don't have the facilities um, they were specifically looking for believers who would speak Ukrainian mm-hmm. um, that could help us. That, that might be a possibility there. Okay, so listen, if you speak Ukrainian and you have an ability, uh, send an email. Uh, you, actually, you can probably go to wol.org and just contact them. Go to wol.org, go to contact, and just let them know you speak Ukrainian and you have a willingness to go and travel. But you can also go to WOL for Word of Life. Go to WOL.org. Click on the Ukrainian Ukraine giving. And when you click on that, it will take you to a page that you can uh, give to the emergency fund or the care fund. Uh, Don, thank you. We, we've got to go. you got about 30 seconds. Any last words to the people who were listening about prayer, giving, or anything else? I'll give you one last thing. I share with our Ukraine director today a verse out of Psalm 55, verse 22. I just preached on this last week. It says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. And what a great, what a great uh, challenge for us, for all of us. It doesn't matter where you are, casting your burden, not pulling it back, but leaving it with the Lord, and recognizing that promise, he shall sustain you. He won't be moved until... What a promise for us to, to lay a hold of today, whatever we're facing. We're thinking particularly about those Ukrainians who are either on the ground near Kiev, on the country, or outside, and just where they are. Thanks for praying. We just we need prayers as we share the gospel. Well, let's pray. We'll be praying. Thank you if so you much, John. SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual.